What's up, everybody? Hope everyone listening is doing absolutely fantastic, and we've got a very special episode coming up for you all on the Sports Mill Podcast. I am your host, Clay Miller, and I'm going to be joined once again today by my friend, Andrew Sullivan, to discuss probably the most exciting topics we've had to this point on this show. We're going to be beginning by discussing college football and the games week one, how Alabama fair against Miami and Georgia against Clemson, And that will lead us into a preview of the SEC this year. And finally, we will be giving you our playoff predictions. Then we're going to talk about fantasy football because everybody is so excited for fantasy, right? We'll also have another special guest who I'll let you meet later to help us give you some tips and tricks to create a great team this year and also some players to watch out for. And we'll ask a very burning question. What is the best or worst, depending on how you look at it, punishment for a loser in a fantasy football league? And then we're going to close with another edition of Miller's Pillars. And me and Sully are going to be giving you our top five most memorable sports moments in our lifetime. Thank you for listening. This is going to be a great episode. Let's jump into it. All right, everybody, as I just mentioned, welcome back to the Sports Mill Podcast. We're going to begin today's episode by talking about the beginning of college football season. We've all been very much looking forward to the start, especially getting back to some normalcy, uh, to have a full season, hopefully to play some non-conference games, and also to have some fans back in the stands. As I mentioned, Andrew Sullivan, my friend, is back with me today. He'll be here for the entire episode. And Sully, what are you most excited about for the college football season this year? Yeah, I think it's exactly what you mentioned, which is just being able to be back in the stands. Uh, personally, I, as a freshman last year, my first college experience was a little different than most people. So I'm really excited to get to go to all the home games, even travel to a few away games um, and really take in that environment. Um, and then the other thing I just really love about college football generally that I'm excited to see again is the cyclical nature of the sport, um, especially in that intermediate level. Um, for Northwestern, as an ex- as an example, they're they're a team that every three or four years has a really good cycle and comes forward and is a great team. But then it takes a few years for them to get back to that place. And so every year there's some teams that you don't really expect to be at that level that that make a jump. And so I think I think that's one of the most fun things about college football is some of those surprise teams that end up making a New Year's Six bowl that no one expected at the beginning of the year. No, I think that's exactly right, and that's a great lead into what we're going to talk about first because. While we are looking forward to seeing those teams that kind of break out, going into week one, the normal suspects are still at the top, and we've got some big games involving them this opening weekend. Of course, we are both students at Alabama, and so they begin the year facing Miami and Georgia. Um, I think going into this game, obviously, Bama has a really good track record with opening games, and they should still be the overwhelming favorite. And it will be interesting to see, especially how this young of a team Uh, and with a lot of new guys, how they play. So how do you think Bama is going to look this weekend? Who are the key players you're going to be watching? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. When when looking at this game, I'm not sure the result is really what will tell us as much about the game because I think whether Bama plays great or whether they play poor, they're probably still going to come out on top here. But I'm really interested to see Alabama's defense because last year, even though they were a solid unit, they definitely were not up to the typical – Nick Saban standard and because their offense was so good they were able to compensate for that but especially that linebacking core of Will Anderson, Henry Toa Toa and Christian Harris like that's by far the best linebacking group in the country and I think they get a great test against a mobile quarterback like De'Eric King who is going to make them play sideline to sideline both in the design quarterback run game and scrambling and so while I'm not sure Miami can give them a close enough game to make them sweat 
I'm really excited to see how the defense looks. Right. And what's interesting about that is a lot of people, I think, are worried about Bryce Young. You know, how is he going to take over for Mac Jones? How's the offense going to look losing Najee Harris and Devontae Smith? But as you mentioned, I think the defense is going to be the thing to watch in this game because whether Bryce Young plays great or looks shaky, I think this defense could be potentially good enough to win them the game no matter what. And so if they handle De'Ara King and and he's got skills that Alabama has struggled with in the past, then I think that could be the roadmap for them kind of getting back to the national championship game. Um, Exactly. With the the offense, I think – it's, it's going to take a little more time to see what you've got there. You've got a lot of young receivers coming in and obviously a new quarterback with Bryce Young. So to me, I want to be a little more patient with evaluating that and wait wait on those guys to get a couple games under their belt. Uh, with the defense, you've got a lot more guys that have already played at least a year or two returning and developing into hopefully stars. And so I really want to see right off the bat what that defense looks like. And obviously, you want to evaluate the offense too. Bryce Young, you really want to see good things out of him. But if he comes out and has an average game, I'm not going to be super concerned. Right. No, I think that, you know, obviously, Bama quarterbacks have had great success in the last couple of years. But we can't always just expect that to happen. And so I think we need to give Bryce Young some time to grow, and he'll get better as the year goes on. But we'll talk about Alabama and, and their roster construction a little more into uh, the episode uh, I think Alabama is favored almost by 18 and a half points. Oh, do you think they cover that spread? Yeah, I, I think they do. I, I, I think De'Eric King will make it tough on them and they'll hang around for a while. But I expect the speed of the defense to really show and neutralize King's ability to run. And I'm, I'm, I don't trust the Miami defense to hold up at all, especially as the game goes on and they get more tired. So especially as Bryce Young settles in, I think you're going to see a lot of points from Alabama in the second half to pull away later on. Right. I think they cover as well. And, and exactly like you said, if the defense can stop King early and kind of rattle him, I think the offense picks it up in the second half. So um, I think, you know, Bama may struggle a little bit early on, especially offensively, but nobody should worry about losing. Although, you know, we never know. Um, but going into the biggest game of the weekend, it's a matchup between two top five teams. Georgia takes on Clemson. And this is obviously going to set kind of the precedent for what the playoff picture is going to look like. Um, and I think whoever wins this game will make a big statement in the committee's mind early on, you know, look at this win that we have on our resume. So who do you think is going uh, to win this game eventually? And who are the players you're watching for? Yeah, so before we even hop into who's going to win, I think it's important to realize, especially for Clemson, how important this game is for them. Because with Georgia, you could easily see Georgia losing this game. And if they went out in SEC play, they're going to make the playoff. If they go and they beat Florida, they beat Alabama, there's no chance that a one-loss Georgia team doesn't get in. However, with Clemson, if, if Georgia comes out and handles them in this game, beats them by 17 to 20 points, and Clemson looks decent but not great against average ACC competition, then I think, especially with how deep the top of the, 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 the league is this year, I just think Clemson could be on the outside looking in. And so I'm really interested to see how much this game affects the playoff later on. But looking at this game, I, I, at the end of last season, I really made a note to myself of don't forget how great Georgia looked at the end of the year because of the struggles at the beginning of the year. Once they switched to JT Daniels, it looked like a completely different team. So I really think their offense is going to come on strong this year, and I think they're going to be a real player in the college football playoff. I know they lost some talented corners to the NFL this year, but with the amount of five-star guys they bring in, I trust the talent depth there. I trust some guys to show up. And so I think I think Georgia's going to win this game, and I think they can re- make a real run at the playoff. 
Right, and yeah, I probably jumped the gun there asking uh, about the outcome before we talked about it. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head with talking about JT Daniels and and what he could bring to this Georgia team. Because I think over the last couple of years, even with Jake Fromm, they were limited on what they could do offensively. Um, and I think he could maybe tap into another level that they haven't had. And it'll be interesting. That's probably the most interesting matchup in this game is between him and, and Clemson's quarterback because uh, DJ Uyunglele, sorry for the mispronunciation, but um, he kind of had a good year last year at the end of the year too when Trevor Lawrence got COVID. And so they've both proven they can play, but are they good enough to take their teams to the playoff? And that's what's going to be interesting to watch. And both teams have good defenses as well. Um, Clemson has a couple of, of guys, especially on the defensive line, that will be high draft picks. So can they kind of neutralize Georgia offensively will be the, will be the big question, I think. Yeah, with, with DJ, I think last year, because of the tools he showed, immediately everyone decided this guy's going to be a star, which I don't think is unfair. But if you watch those games closely, he suffered from some overthrow issues as well. And I would guess he'll probably correct those just with how talented he was. But he has tools, but he hasn't completely refined them yet. So I wonder if he comes out still a little bit raw to start this year and it, it costs him a little bit early on. And then a couple guys, like you mentioned, on defense to really look out for. Uh, James Skalski, he's a guy who feels like he's been there for about 10 years now. Just a veteran linebacker, hard hitter. I think he's been ejected for targeting in the playoff two years in a row now. But he's the leader of that defense in the middle of the field. And he's a violent player. So watch out for him. And then also... A guy that was the number one overall recruit a couple years ago, uh, Brian Brissy. Uh, he's going to be a future top 10 pick in the interior defensive line. And I think this is the year he really comes on strong. Um, obviously, when you go to a program like Clemson or Alabama, you're going to have to wait your turn a little bit. But from everything I've seen from this guy, he's just a physical beast in the, on the interior of the defensive line. Right. And I think, you know, that's what's been Clemson's strength over the last couple of years is we've seen them produce a lot of good defensive linemen. And they're definitely going to have, I think, a big game against JT Daniels if they want to win. And to hit on what you talked about, um, I agree that if Georgia loses, they have a chance to prove it later on. But I will say, because of the lack of depth, I think, in the ACC, Clemson will have an easier time winning all of their games if they lose, whereas Georgia has such a tough schedule I think Georgia really needs to focus on winning this game. Um, and so it, it's, it really is just a big game however you look at it because it looks bad for Clemson if they lose and then, you know, they forces them to win the ACC. And if Georgia loses, they'll pretty much have to win out against the tough SEC. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a, a risk-reward thing, right? Like Georgia may have bet, a better opportunity to get back into it, but they're also playing a lot better team, so they're going right. to have another chance to lose a game, whereas – Clemson, it might be out of their hands at that point. They might be waiting on some other teams to lose, but at least they know we're probably going to be able to roll through the rest of our conference. Right. No, and hopefully we'll just get a good game. I think that could be one of the better games of the year. So, obviously, you said you think Georgia is going to win so I, and therefore cover the, the three-point spread uh, that Clemson is getting as the favorite. Um, and so we'll move into pretty much the only other really big game of this week as far as – matchups between two of the classic uh, college teams, and that is Notre Dame and Florida State. Obviously, Notre Dame is not a part of a conference, so they're able to play some of these bigger games against these high-level teams. Uh, Florida State's obviously been struggling over the last couple of years. Uh, what do you think about Notre Dame in this game? Yeah, Notre Dame to me now is, as much as people want to hate on them, they're one of the most consistent teams every year now, and people want them to be something that they're not, which results in a lot of hate, but They've decided now, Brian Kelly's decided that we are going to recruit offensive linemen and we're going to recruit tight ends and we're just going to be more physical than every other team. 
And so when you play some of the elite teams in the country, like Alabama, for example, in the playoff last year, the skill sometimes is just going to be too overwhelming. But they play, they have found their niche, they found a distinct style. And so when they play teams that just aren't on their level, I find it really hard for those teams to keep up. Um, obviously, Florida State's still in a little bit of a rebuilding phase here, and I think they're a couple years away from being really competitive. And with how consistent Notre Dame has shown they've been in the past couple years against against average to below average competition, I would I would pick Notre Dame to win and also to cover the seven and a half. Right, and you just until Florida State proves it at this point, I, I think you you can't bet on them because they've they've been down for a while now. And like you said, Notre Dame, you know they're going to be a consistent team. Uh, so I like them in this game. But with them, it's also going to be, you know, nobody's going to believe anything about Notre Dame until they actually prove it in the playoff. And they're still going to have that stigma of not being in a conference and, and being Notre Dame. Um, so I think they really do need to, to have an impressive showing early on against Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to understand the level they're at, which is kind of that second tier of top teams. Uh, they just don't have the high-end skill players to, to, to break into that top mold. But Every other team except about four doesn't have those guys either. So right. I think although they do struggle against the big guys, so does everybody else. So they just – eventually maybe they'll be able to break through. A couple of players I also think to look, are really good to look out for in this game. Uh, first of all, one with Notre Dame is Kyle Hamilton. He's just a really athletic defensive back that will probably go somewhere in the top 15 of next year's draft. Um, so if you're looking to watch just a ball hawk, a guy that's super skilled on the defensive – and he'll be a great player to watch. And then also on the other side, I'm sure a lot of you remember at UCF a few years ago, Mackenzie Milton, he is now at Florida State and is taking over that offense. And so I'm really excited to see him see him back and playing because it's been a couple years since he's even been on a football field. So I'm, I'm really hoping that he still has the athleticism and the mobility he had before. And he's a great leader. So I'm excited to see what he does there, but also a little bit cautious with how long it's been since he's played. Yep, yeah, and... I think that is one of the good things uh, about the transfer portal is it. We've obviously seen so many of these, you know, star players switch teams, but it gives somebody like him an opportunity to get a fresh start at another big university, and hopefully, he's able to come back from that injury and take advantage of it. Yeah, especially with the situation he had at UCF. I mean, they've got a quarterback now, Dylan Gabriel, there that's really, really good, and so they they weren't going to be patient and wait on him to come back for two years. They had to move on to the future, and so with Dylan Gabriel there. He's a talented enough player that you can't just hold back your team for a few years waiting on Milton to return. And so especially for the quarterback position, just because there's only one of them on the field, right? Like with the defensive linemen, you can rotate four or five guys the whole game. So you've got four or five defensive linemen at a program that can play. But with the quarterback position, assuming injuries don't happen, there's one guy that's playing the whole season. And so especially for quarterbacks, I think the transfer portal is really useful for them. Yep, and hopefully, uh, you know, he can come back from that injury because he he seems like a really good guy, and it's a great story. Um, but going into our next uh, kind of breakdown of big games, an interesting thing that one of the conference does early on, and that is the Big Ten, is they go ahead and play conference games week one. Uh, pretty much the only conference that does that. So I'll just open it up to you. What are some games that you're watching out for early on, uh, and how do you think Ohio State is going to look this year? Yeah, so specifically with Ohio State, I expect them to take a little bit of a step back from where they were last year, but they were so far ahead of everyone else in the Big Ten, I don't see anyone else in that conference catching up to them. They're starting to have another one of those sets of defensive lines that's just going to have three first-round draft picks in a few years. They've got that talent there again, and they probably have the best wide receiving group in the country, and I'm not sure there's very many people that would argue that. 
So the question with them, like a lot of these other teams, is they've got a young quarterback stepping in. And so with that, if he can step up and turn into a really good player, just like with Clemson, just like with Alabama, I see I see all those teams as very similar with question marks at the quarterback position and a lot of talent around them. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and that's what separates these you know, contenders, I think at the end of the year is, you know, we looked at Georgia and Clemson and while their quarterbacks aren't necessarily proven commodities for sure, they've had that experience and we, we have an idea of what they're going to play like. But, you know, Bryce Young and, and Ohio State's quarterback, whose name is escaping me right C. now. CJ Stroud. That's right. CJ Stroud. You know, we don't know about them. And so if they're able to show that they're the quarterbacks uh, that, that can, you know, lead a national championship team, then that makes those teams all the better. But we have to see it first. And like you said, great talent around him uh how will they be able to utilize it yeah and this weekend they're going up up against minnesota they're 14 point favorites the question for me with them with that game is more about minnesota than it is about ohio state uh two years ago they had a really good year and then last year like a lot of other big 10 schools like michigan and penn state really had down years and this is to me a make or break year for pj fleck and kind of the culture that he runs because with those type of cultures, the ones where you've got those catchphrases, the row the boat, the brick by brick with Butch Jones. Everybody loves them when they're working. But if you're a player, you start to get tired of hearing the same thing really quick if it's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for them, obviously, not to beat Ohio State, but to get off to a good start this season and prove that last year was more of a fluke. Right. And Minnesota is one of those teams, that, as you were mentioning, like Northwestern, that has the potential to kind of jump up into that next tier every once in a while and, and you know maybe make a push for a new year's six bowl and that's kind of what pj fleck has put himself into is that with with the the moxie and bravado that he has uh if he doesn't get to there then it's almost he wasted his his expectations so it'll be interesting to see how minnesota looks this year uh what about some other big 10 teams that you're looking forward to watching yeah the other game i'm probably the most excited to watch is wisconsin penn state the idea of wisconsin for decades now has been a team that is good defensively has a good offensive line and runs the ball you think of all the different great running backs they've had with Monty Ball Melvin Gordon um, Jonathan Taylor recently being one of the best college running backs ever that is their game but now they've got a guy in Graham Mertz who was a five-star recruit came in played some last year and looked all right but if he can take that next step all of a sudden you're looking at Wisconsin as a lot more of a complete team and Mertz is a big question mark but with that, with them already having the framework around him, I really think this team can can be the biggest challenger to Ohio State this year. And so I think Wisconsin will beat Penn State and cover that four and a half point spread. Right. Um, and those have been the challengers, Wisconsin and Penn State. So that's a, that's a big game early on because maybe whoever wins that will have the best chance to dethrone Ohio State this year. Although, as you mentioned, I don't see that happening. Um, but that's that might be besides Georgia and Clemson, the game that has the biggest impact for the, its conference so far. Yeah, and with Penn State, I think um, a lot of people see Sean Clifford, the quarterback there, and he looks exactly the same as Trace McSorley back there, so people just assume he's the same kind of player, but he's he's not as athletic as McSorley was, and he, I also don't know that he has as good of an arm. So I think against some of those athletic defenses, he's, he just has trouble against guys that like Alabama's linebackers that we talked about. Linebackers that are that athletic, he's just really going to have trouble with them, and so Penn State, I think, will have a good year. They'll probably be around top 25, but I, I don't think they have the potential to jump up past some of those top teams. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And and it's really Ohio State's conference to lose at this point, and it's been like that for the last several years. 
All right, so those are pretty much all the big games for week one. Ohio State will take on Oregon next week, and that'll be a bigger game. But as far as week one goes, is there another game uh, that you're looking at or, or one to watch out for? Yeah, I have one upset alert I would be on the lookout for. And just as I was scrolling through, the Virginia Tech playing North Carolina, I think North Carolina is a little overrated coming into the year. They're, they're ranked 10th right now, and Sam Howell is an awesome player, but they are losing a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball with Dynami Brown, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter all leaving and moving on to the NFL. Um, I think all those guys have the potential to be really good players in the league, and so they're going to miss those guys. I think their passing offense will probably be about as good as it was last year. But one thing that really went under the radar last year was even with Sam Howell, they were really a run first team. They, they had, I think there was a game where they had two guys rush for 200 yards, which is just unreal. And so I think they're really going to struggle to adjust to having to be a little bit more pass heavy. And I think if Sam Howell ends up being a Heisman caliber player, which he could be, then they'll probably be in good shape. But if he ends up not being at that level of player, they're going to be a little one-dimensional, and so I would look out for Virginia Tech um, to cover that five-and-a-half-point spread and maybe even win outright in week one. I think that's that's a good um, game to watch out for because North Carolina has a lot of expectations on them, something they're not used to over the last couple decades, um, and they need to come out, as you said, and prove that they belong maybe in this upper tier for this year at least with Sam Howe at quarterback. So that's definitely a game to watch, and, and North Carolina is a team overall to watch. All right. I hope everyone uh, enjoys week one of college football. We got some great games uh, coming up, and I think there may be some exciting finishes, hopefully, especially in some of the bigger games like Georgia and Clemson. But now we're going to talk about the conference that everybody loves the most, especially down here in the South. And especially now with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma coming soon, even more eyes are on the SEC. But we're going to talk about what's going on this year and give you a little bit of a preview of obviously the favorites, and we're going to start with Alabama. We mentioned them uh, obviously facing Miami uh, in week one, but overall they still have a lot of expectations on them, and they're coming off a national championship season. Um, And so how will they bounce back from losing Mac Jones, losing Devontae Smith, losing Najee Harris, and then bringing back pretty much all of their defensive players? And so there's a lot of expectations on that unit. Sully, what are you looking for overall for Alabama this year? Yeah, just like we talked about earlier, I think the offense is going to take some time to develop. But the position group I'm probably the most focused on is some of those young wide receivers. I know we were both in person for the spring game, and some of those guys looked very impressive. But obviously, real competition in a game is is a lot different. And so those guys, I think it's really important for them to help Bryce Young out early on because Bryce is going to take some time to get used to that. And if he can have receivers running free like Tua did and like Mac did, that's going to make his life so much easier. And I'm really hoping as a fan of Alabama as well, that those wide receivers can be a little bit ahead of schedule and that offense can hopefully stay at least close to the level it was last year. Yes. And a lot of people are worried about, you know, how are we going to replace Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. And I honestly think that that'll be fine. Like, Bama has talent. They recruit at a high level. The wide receiver group will, will still perform well. They'll figure it out on the running back side, as they always do, with whether it be by committee or one guy kind of pushes ahead of the others. But I will say, expect Bryce Young to look a little shaky. Like, he, Mac Jones was in that system for, for two or three years before he even got his you know first start, really. And he had time to kind of develop. Bryce Young has not yet, especially going through a year like COVID last year. And so it may take some time. So if you're an Alabama fan out there, be patient. If he looks kind of 
poor in the first game against Miami, you know, give him some time to grow a little bit and get some game experience under his belt. Yeah, the the only problem with that this year is that they play Florida in week three. And so while while I don't think Florida is on their level this year as a Florida fan, I still would worry that that is going to be a problem early on. And I, I know as a Florida fan, I looked at that schedule as soon as I could and saw that we were playing Alabama early, and I was very excited about that. Because you know Nick Saban always has his teams peaking at the right time at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so if there is a time where they're going to be more vulnerable to an upset like that, I do think it's early on. And so while Bryce Young probably has the potential to step up later in the year, one of their most important games is pretty early on. So even if it's not in the Miami game, he is going to have to get on track pretty early on. Yes, and that's going to be his first real true road test. And I don't think any quarterback, not to say that he can't be up for it, but no quarterback wants to go into the swamp for their first ever true road game. So that's definitely one that Bama and him are going to have to be prepared for. And um, I think that, like I said, the defense is going to have to carry them early on, and they have the potential to. So what do you think the, the ceiling or floor is for Alabama this year? I mean, I still think this is a team that can win the national championship. And I would say their floor is probably a two-loss team, I guess, and not making the SEC championship if something goes very wrong. But I I would be stunned if this team is not in the SEC championship, probably facing off against Georgia. And I, I would say realistically that's probably their floor, and then their ceiling would be a national championship. But there are some teams this year that I think can compete with them, especially Georgia. And so I wouldn't just write them into a playoff spot like some other years. Yeah, I think I completely agree. We already talked about Georgia and JT Daniels, and we'll talk about them more in a minute. But that's definitely something that they're going to have to overcome to get to the playoff. And, and I don't think it's going to be easy, uh, as easy as it was last year. But now we're going to move on to the other team in the state of Alabama. And I want to talk about Auburn. Obviously, I go to Alabama, but I still want to cover Auburn and and be as unbiased as possible. And this year, Auburn returns two of their better offensive weapons, and that is, of course, their quarterback and Bo Nix, and then running back Tank Bigsby. There have been a lot of question marks around Bo Bo Nix and exactly how good he can be. And I guess my question is, Sully, do you think Bo Nix can be an elite quarterback in college? Not until I see it. It's been too long now where he's just been mistake-prone and turnover-prone where – I just I can't trust that until I see it happen. I know watching him as a freshman, you would see the tools, but I haven't seen enough improvement yet to really change my mind on him. However, like we talked about with Tank Bigsby, he, he could be the best running back in all of college football this year. Mm-hmm. And so if that offensive line is good enough to where they can be a run-first team, then I think that's where you're looking at them really challenging in the SEC West. If Especially with Bo Nix's mobility – if they can run more of a play-action scheme and get him out in space more rather than just having him stand in the pocket and sling it, mm-hmm. I think that's really what will suit them best. My question is, is that going to be the offense they run? And also, is Bo Nix going to execute that without mistakes? I, I think, yeah, that's exactly right. And what scares me is this feels like an Auburn team that has a lot of question marks, but they have some good pieces in Tank Bixby. They can run the ball probably. Bo Nix is serviceable enough that I'm worried as an Alabama fan that we're going to go into Jordan-Hare and they're going to give us another one of those games where the <laughs> offense scores enough points, we can't stop them, and then something fluky happens. A couple crazy turnovers. Yeah, something fluky happens and Auburn upsets us. So I, as an Auburn fan, if I was one, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking national championship this year, but you can still have some good wins and, and you know Alabama is always potentially going to be upset by you at home. Yeah, I think I think what really is important for them is getting the recruiting elevated because when you're when you're in the SEC like this, unless you recruit at 
realistically a top 10 level it's really hard to beat some of those elite teams just the talent depth is not there especially with Gus taking some of his guys with him to UCF he, he took a couple of their better players I know Big Cat Bryant's now at UCF so especially this year with some of those guys that still should be at Auburn Florida just picked up another defensive tackle um, from Auburn it's I think they're going to struggle and not have as much depth as a normal team would and so I, I think it's going to be a few years for them. But with Tank being there, if in a couple of years, I, w- I would look out for them to be a really balanced team. Yeah, and uh, I think Auburn, just with Brian Harson coming in, they need to let him get his system put in place. And he seems to be a pretty good coach. Now, there are a lot of seem to be pretty good coaches that have come in and failed at bigger uh, you know, universities. But I think I would give him some time. And Auburn could definitely have a, a good offense in, in the next couple of years. Yeah, anybody from Boise State, I'm just a fan. I was the biggest Kellen Moore fan of all time 10 years ago when he was the <laughs> lefty just slinging it down the field. So I, I, I love Boise State. The blue field is just hilarious to me. So I, I'm, I want to see this guy do well. But at this point, it's too early to tell. Right. No, I think you're exactly – uh, on point and hopefully you know I, I want Auburn to be good a little bit because it at least makes it fun <laughs> to beat them the game yeah I, I don't want to just blow them out every year although that still feels good as an Alabama fan but let's move on to talking about Georgia and we've already mentioned them some but they're obviously uh, on paper the second best team in the SEC maybe even the first best with JT Daniels at quarterback we've obviously already talked about him a lot what else are you looking out for on that offense or defense for Georgia this year I, other than Daniels, I think George Pickens is the biggest question mark because watching this guy, I see no reason why he shouldn't be the best receiver in the country. Mm-hmm. He's ridiculously athletic. He can go up and jump higher than about anybody I've seen at the college level and high point a ball. He's elite physically, so in space he can make guys miss and also just throw people off of him. But the question with him is all character. I, I'm sure some of y'all remember when they played Georgia Tech and he gets – and he's fighting and gets ejected for throwing punches. And he, there seems to always be something going on with him when he squirted water on the Tennessee player on the sideline, even though that was pretty funny. Like, it's still just a stupid decision to make. And so if he can stay on the field and kill the antics, I think he could be the best wide receiver in all of the country. But he hasn't been able to do that now for a couple of years. So I think it's, it's unrealistic to say it's going to happen. But his potential really excites me. And George Pickens is kind of indicative of what Georgia needs to be this year because if he's disciplined and he's a good player, then he's going to have a bright future ahead of him. If Georgia can just stay disciplined, take care of business this year, they have the talent to win it all. And two guys I'm looking forward to watching on offense are Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert. They were both like top 10 recruits uh, at the tight end slash wide receiver position. They're both athletic enough to play wide receiver. Uh, Gilbert transferred in from LSU. Those guys could be huge different makers because they're bigger guys who are going to be matchup nightmares for defenses and uh, with Daniel slinging the ball around, I think you know that passing game could be something special and, and something they haven't had in recent years. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited about Georgia's because even when they had quarterbacks like Jake Fromm, who I always thought was a little overrated, they could never really push the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. It was always working more in the intermediate game, and I, I'm sure a lot of you remember some of those deep balls he hit, especially in the Cincinnati game. That, that's a different element to their offense that they haven't had before. Darnell Washington is just scary. He is LeBron James size and he plays football. So that guy, I don't know how college, a small college corner is going to be able to keep up with him. And then Arik Gilbert has maybe not the same character issues as Pickens, but he, in the same way, he transferred from LSU to Florida and then about two weeks later decommitted. And now 
committed to Georgia, and it seems like he's got a lot of things in the background going on in his life. And so if he can get on the field and play, the guy is insanely talented, but I'm I'm still a little dubious on whether we're going to see him out there every week. Yeah, and, and, and that's, I mean, like I said, so indicative of Georgia in general. Just question marks, are they going to be disciplined enough to – to hold on when they need to and, and to be clutch when they need to because they haven't been able to prove it, obviously, since Kirby Smart's been there. But you brought up Florida, um, and Eric Gilbert obviously transferred there first. Now he's gone. Florida had a very good year last year, especially offensively. Came up a little short to Alabama in the SEC championship game. I'm going to kind of give you the floor because you are a Florida fan. I know people may be confused because you go to Alabama, but I can, I can attest he is a Florida fan first. What do you think the Gators are going to do this year, and, and how hopeful are you that, that their year is going to be successful? Yeah, to be clear, I just don't think they're going to be on the level of Georgia and Alabama this year. But the biggest question for me is we know last year the offense was awesome, and we know last year the defense was historically terrible. And so if they can make up more ground on defense than they lose on offense, then I think they're in really good shape. Meaning if that offense only takes a couple steps back and the defense turns from a horrible defense to an above average defense, I think all of a sudden then you're looking at a third team in that top tier of the SEC. But there's so many question marks that go into that equation that I don't think it's realistic to put them up there with those other two teams. I'm really excited to see Emory Jones play because I think a lot of people look at him as more of a runner, which is accurate. But it's also not the only thing he can do. Even in plays where they had designed runs for him, which was more of the package when Kyle Trask was quarterbacking there, there were times where he would fake that and throw a deep ball, and it looked really good on the money, force some pass interference calls, even if it didn't force big plays. And so I think he's a little underrated as a passer. But obviously, when you're losing Pitts, you're losing Tony, some of those elite skill position guys, they have talent to fill in the gaps, but I'm not sure they have the top, top end elite talent to fill those gaps. Defensively, they're going to be older. They're going to have more depth, but I'm not sure they have enough speed, especially in the interior, to keep up. And so Todd Grantham is going to have to make some adjustments to his schemes. He loves having those two middle linebackers in the middle of the field that kind of roam around and cover everything. But last year, the guys they had at those positions just weren't fast enough. And so I think they brought in some more help on the defensive staff. So if they make some adjustments with their defensive schemes, with some added positional help, that's the formula for them being there. But there's too many question marks for me to really treat them as a top team. Yeah, and, and you obviously probably know more about them than I do, but it looks like from the outside, you know, they've got really good weapons. And I would argue maybe even up there with anyone in the SEC, they've got, you know, good running backs. They bring back uh, Copeland and Shorter at wide receiver. But, you know, question marks on the defense – uh, and obviously Emory Jones being you know kind of an unknown. I think they could have a good year, but as you mentioned, I don't see them quite getting over the hump of Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, their running back depth this year is absurd. I've never seen a deeper running back room mm. at, on their roster with – they've got Malik Davis, they've got Damian Pierce, who right now are listed as the two guys that will likely play the most. They also have a guy in Naquan Wright who is just 5'6", great at catching passes out of the backfield and just kind of a jitterbug. And then recently, they also had a transfer come in. His name is Demarcus Bowman from Clemson. He transferred just because he wasn't getting enough playing time at Clemson. And he's looked really, really good in the scrimmages. And so Florida posted their depth chart today, and Bowman wasn't listed as one of the top three guys. And there were a lot of fans that were not happy with that. So I think you're going to see a lot of split carries at the beginning of the year. And you're going to have four guys really competing for spots. And there's probably going to be at least one of them that's left behind by the end of the year. But obviously, the more talent you have, the better. So I'm really excited to see what this running back room can do 
in an offense that's primarily going to be created around Emory Jones' running ability and those running backs' ability as well. Yep, and you know it's pretty much the same story as last year. Will they be able to play defense? But that offense could be deadly um, for sure. And so, one, one yeah. other thing to think about, I think, with Dan Mullen, when you look back at the guys he's had success with at all of his different stops, first in Utah with Alex Smith, who even though we don't think of him – as this now, he was an elite athlete in college, and he could really run around. And then in Gainesville, obviously, the first time around when he was coaching under Urban Meyer with Tim Tebow, and then at Mississippi State with Dak Prescott, Emory Jones, whether he is at that level or not, this is the prototype of quarterback that Dan Mullen likes to form his offense around. He loves the quarterback design run working off of that. So obviously, Emory Jones probably won't replicate the performance Kyle Trask had, but this is Mullen's bread and butter. This is what he is brought in to do. So I'm really excited to see him and the creative schemes that he will use this year. Yeah, I think you know Dan Mullen uh, is always going to have that offense ready, and, and that, like you said, is his bread and butter, and, and I expect Florida to be one of the top offenses again. Um, So that's obviously kind of the top SEC teams. One more that we're going to talk about as far as uh, the tip top, or actually we're going to mention two more specifically, LSU and Texas A&M. A&M comes in with a lot of high expectations. Uh, got a new quarterback. Defense, I think, looks to be more their strength this year. Uh, what do you think the ceiling is for A&M? Uh, and what do you, who are you looking forward to watching as far on the field? Similar to Florida, I think if everything goes right, they could be on the level of Alabama and A&M. But just like with Florida, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. First of all, losing Kellen Mond, who was not one of the best college quarterbacks, but was still as stable a guy as you're going to have back there for four years. They're replacing him with Haynes King, who is a highly touted recruit, a dual threat guy. But, I mean, you talk about guys we haven't seen before at all. Mm -hmm. We have not seen this guy play at all. Compared to Bryce Young, this guy is still a newbie. And so he is certainly a big question mark. I don't think he's going to come in and wow. I think it's going to take him some time. But they have maybe the best skill position group in all of the SEC, which I feel like we say this with almost every team, but this right. team is really talented with Anaya Smith and then Wordermeyer at tight end. They've, they've got some skill guys there to where if Jimbo can design that offense in a way to make it simple for King and just get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, they're going to be a really good offense. And I would, I would not take them lightly as, as one of those teams at the top. I think that they could scare a lot of teams uh, in the SEC. And I definitely think with Jimbo's coaching and the expectations on them, watch out for them to win a big game this year and, and, uh, and unseat um, someone uh, in the SEC. Uh, obviously, they're in the West, so they may not play some of those top teams in the East. But A&M could definitely have a good year. And, and especially as an Alabama fan, they need to consider that game to be one of the more important ones being on the road at Kyle Field. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see Florida and A&M very similarly, which is they have the talent to beat some of the best teams, but they also could lose a bad game against a team that's not as good as them. So I, I'm really interested to see specifically Florida and A&M, how their seasons end up going, because I think they have some of the widest ranges of possible outcomes of any teams in the country. No doubt. Um, we'll talk about one more particular in the SEC, and that is LSU. I don't really have a lot to say about them because I don't think they're quite there yet this year. They have a Max Johnson at quarterback who has some potential. I don't see him being a great quarterback. Have some other players as well and Derek Stingley and, and uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but Keyshawn Boutte. Yeah, great wide receiver. He set the single season record for yards in a game as a freshman. So they got some playmakers, but overall as a team, I don't think they're going to challenge anyone. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. If you're watching LSU this year, Enjoy the specific talent, but you may not get a full team performance, especially Stingley. 
he was the best defensive back in the country as a true freshman, which is one of the most impossible things to do in all of college football. And so I'm really excited to see him back after a year off last year, because I think this is a guy that's probably going to be a top five pick in the draft. Uh, Not to mention he's across the field from Eli Ricks, who stood out last year as another elite freshman, while not on Stingley's level, um, will will lock down the other side of the field as well. And so I do think some of these teams that don't have elite wide receivers are going to have real trouble when they're facing these LSU defensive backs. And then another thing I just have to bring up is that when Stingley was brought into LSU, he was promised when his junior year came around, he was going to get to try to play both ways. Mm -hmm. And so who knows if Orgeron is going to follow through on that promise because as we know, college coaches and their promises don't always come to fruition. But if he does play both ways, I know LSU is going to be a team that I'm glued to my TV screen to watch because that's going to be a Charles Woodson type of thing to see. And I, I think Stingley is athletic enough to be able to pull that off. So that's really the biggest thing that I want to see with LSU is how Stingley plays. And then obviously Butte offensively, just those skill players. I'm really excited to watch them. Right. And, and that seems to be, uh, you know, LSU is a big brand name, but that seems to be what a lot of the SEC teams have this year. They have a lot of good specific players, but it takes a team to win in the SEC. And so LSU will definitely have some players go to the NFL, especially Stingley. And no matter whether he plays both ways, I don't feel too bad for him because I know he's going to make millions of dollars <laughs> as a cornerback in the NFL. Um, but, you know, I think LSU will, won't really make a lot of noise this year. Um, at, let's talk about some of just the specific players on other teams. Um, obviously, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin is going to have a high-powered offense. Matt Corral made a lot of noise last year for being this big play quarterback. Um, it kind of Patrick Mahomes-esque style. No, no means By no means it's as near as good, but I think he could make some noise this year on that Ole Miss offense. Yeah, it's funny because he he plays Patrick Mahomes style, but then also throws about five times as many interceptions as Mahomes <laughs> right. does. So if he could figure that out somehow, then they, they could be one of the best offenses in the SEC. But I think Kiffin's offense is really designed to be 100 out of 100 aggressive. Like it is 100 miles an hour all the time. And so you are kind of inevitably just accepting that those interceptions are going to happen at some point, And that's just a part of pushing the ball down the field. So I I don't really have good expectations for this team because I just don't think the defense is going to improve at all. And when you're giving up 50 a game, it's really, really hard to compete. And so I, I, I think if Ole Miss ever could figure out their defense, they've proven now for a few years that they're going to be a really good offensive team. But until they figure out that defense, I just don't trust them. Yeah, and uh, I think Ole Miss is, is the one team that could maybe upset someone in the SEC with that offense. But as you said... They're, they're all kind of show right now as Lane Kiffin. Don't really see them making a lot of noise. So to close out the SEC preview, we're actually not going to talk about a team in the SEC. But as I mentioned on a previous episode, the first one actually, Oklahoma and Texas are moving into the SEC in 2025. But for this year, are still in the Big 12. Oklahoma, number two team in the country coming in. They have Spencer Rattler coming back as quarterback. And I would probably call him the Heisman favorite coming into the year. How do you think Oklahoma looks this year? And does Spencer Rattler get them, you know, over the hump and in back into the playoff? Yeah, I, I love this team. I, I, my girlfriend's an Oklahoma fan, and I told her last year after they lost a couple games that they weren't going to lose another game for the rest of the season, and she thought I was crazy. And then they won out, and they've just proven now that they are actually a complete team. And I think that's really the first time you can say that in Lincoln Riley's tenure, which is no disrespect against him because it's really hard to recruit defensive players into the Big Twelve. But they're returning almost every single player on their defensive unit, and they were solid last year on the defense. Really what held them back at the beginning of the year was that Rattler was taking some time to get his feet under him. 
uh, once Rattler clicked with that offense and the defense held up, they, they looked like one of the best teams in the country at the end of the year. And I think by the end of the year, they were one of the four best teams. They had just struggled early enough in the year that they couldn't make the playoff. And so to me, this is the best team in the country. And I agree with you. I think Rattler is going to be another one of those quarterbacks that ends up being the Heisman and then the number one overall pick. And so this is my national championship favorite right here. And I think they're going to be elite on both sides of the ball. I think what separates Oklahoma from the previous years, like you said, is they have the offense, obviously. Rattler is, is a special talent. If he puts it together, offense will be great. But the defense under Alex Grinch finally might be um, national championship level because they've gotten into the playoff these past years, and then they face a Joe Burrow, they face a Tua, and just get blown off the floor. And it doesn't matter – or field, I should say. And it doesn't matter what their offense does. It's just not enough. And I, as you mentioned, I think – they're the scariest team in the country this year because just about everywhere you look on the field, they've got some proven commodities, um, and that's that should be scary for the rest of the country. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that the defense doesn't really even need to be elite for this team to win a national championship because you think about the times they've made the playoff, especially one of those great games they played was in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. They lost that game 48-45, to right? And so it, we're not asking for some – 2009 Alabama level defense from them Mm. they just need to be serviceable enough to let Rattler go do his thing and so I'm really excited and I hope I hope that Oklahoma does end up having a good defense because I want to see them with a complete team in the playoff instead of feeling like they're always just completely outmatched on one side of the ball Uh, yeah I completely agree um we're gonna wrap up now our college football preview um Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we've obviously talked about a lot of teams, and that leads into, obviously, at the end of the year, everybody wants to know who are those final four teams going to be. And so, Andrew, I'm just going to ask you first, who are your four playoff teams? Who do you think is going to win it all? And are there any other teams that we haven't talked about that you could potentially see sneaking in? Yeah, so I'll actually give you those teams before I give you my four because my four is fairly chalky. But a couple of teams that I really think you should look out for this year, and one team I really believe in is Cincinnati. They have an opportunity this year to where if the chips fall in the right way, they could actually make the playoff with their schedule because they play Notre Dame this year, and then they also play UCF. And so if they prove that they're significantly better than Notre Dame in that game and go undefeated the rest of the season, if you get some other teams like Clemson and Ohio State that drop a game at some point, it's going to be really hard for the committee to leave Cincinnati out because this will now be the second year of them being a complete elite team. Just like Oklahoma, they're bringing almost everybody back. And with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, I don't think he's a top-end guy, but I think he's good enough to win a national championship. And so I'm really excited to see Cincinnati because in my opinion, since the playoff has started, this is the first group of five team I could actually see competing for a national championship. I I think – I agree, and everyone is clamoring for a group of five, it seems like, to get in. And so if Cincinnati has that great year, I think that it's going to be hard to keep them out. Now, I, I if if other teams in the, in the Power Five take care of business, I don't think they get in just because the Power Five teams are always going to get the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, look out for, for a team like Cincinnati to make some noise this year. Yeah, obviously they need help. They need one of those teams above them to lose. But there is a real path for them this year. And other years it really feels like that hasn't been the case. But especially last year, watching them go up against Georgia, Georgia was clicking on all cylinders at the end of the year, and they played them evenly. They were in that game from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've already talked about how good we think Georgia's going to be this year. So I'm, I'm really high on Cincinnati. And then another team I would say to look out for is Iowa State. Brees Hall is one of those guys that has potential to win the Heisman because he's probably going to run for like 2,000 yards again this year. 
and they are they are also returning a lot of players. Matt Campbell is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. He has his team ready to go every week and every year. And so Iowa State, uh, the only reason I don't think that they are one of the top-end favorites is because they play in the same conference as Oklahoma, and I, I think Oklahoma probably will handle them. But if Oklahoma falters and Iowa State can get, get out of that Big 12, I think they're a real contender. Yeah, I think we need to watch out for, for teams like that. We mentioned North Carolina earlier. I think they're in a very similar boat. Now I think Iowa State is more proven than North Carolina. But teams like that who are kind of the second in those weaker conferences, obviously ACC is not strong, Big 12 is not strong. If everything falls the right way, they could potentially sneak into that playoff. And the committee you know, will be looking to put them in, I think. Yeah, it only takes one, one season going wrong for those teams to have a shot to get in. Whereas when you're looking at the SEC – for Florida, it takes multiple things going right for them to be to be on the top of that conference. Yeah. All right. Uh, obviously, thank you for giving me those teams. I would watch out for those going into the year. What? Who are your four football playoff teams, college football playoff teams, I should say, uh, and who do you have winning it all? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start going from four and going down to one. The, the, the team I have coming in at number four is Ohio State. I don't see anyone on their schedule that is good enough to beat them. So I think they're probably going to go undefeated and end up in the playoff. But I do think that they're not going to look dominant throughout the year, as we mentioned earlier. So I do have them at number four. At number three, I have Clemson. They're just so talented. And like we said earlier, if they can run through the rest of the ACC, they have a good shot. This is really me more banking on the fact that the committee is going to respect Clemson and the roster they have because I'm not sure if they lost to Georgia that I would have them in over an undefeated Cincinnati. But obviously we're predicting we're not picking it ourselves. And so I would have Clemson at number three. And at number two, I have Oklahoma. Um, as we'll see later on, I'm, I may or may not have Oklahoma as better than Georgia. But I have Oklahoma at number two in the predictions just because I think in the Big 12 that they're going to get a little less respect than Georgia is if Georgia runs the table, who I have at number one. Um, I think all of these teams that I have in my top four, I would think that they're going to be undefeated going into the playoff. There will likely be a team that falters, but I just don't see anyone on their schedules that will beat them. Mm -hmm. And likely the SEC winner is going to be undefeated, whether it's Georgia or Alabama. And so I think the winner of the SEC championship, whether that be Georgia or Alabama, probably will get the benefit of the doubt. But I think Oklahoma is probably a better team. So I would have Georgia facing off against Oklahoma in the national championship and Oklahoma winning it all. Wow, so Oklahoma winning it all, and I think that is a great pick. But you'll notice there no Alabama, right? And especially, I don't think that's surprising because it's been like that over the last you know several years that you see have these two good SEC teams, but because the margins are so thin, whoever loses that championship game uh, doesn't make it in. So I, I think that's you know a very good analysis. And, and even though as an Alabama fan that stings to hear, it could definitely happen this year. Um, for me. I swing a little bit differently. I think we talked about the Georgia versus Clemson game. I think Georgia wins. And something about Clemson this year, I just don't trust them. And I actually don't have them making it. What I think is going to happen is is I think Alabama wins out. Georgia maybe goes undefeated, but but certainly makes the SEC championship game. I actually, th I actually think Alabama beats them in the SEC championship game, but Georgia makes it into the playoff. And that's where... Or, excuse me, I said that wrong. Georgia beats Alabama into the, in the SEC championship game, but they both make it in. Um, and so I actually think that it's probably going to be Oklahoma at one, um, Ohio State at two, Georgia at three, or Al Alabama and Georgia will be three and four, I think, because or either whoever wins, I guess, will be the higher seed than the other one. Uh, I actually think the SEC gets two in this year. Um, and 
I don't really know, honestly. I can't really not. It's hard for me to pick against Alabama, but I'm with you as well. I think Oklahoma should be the, the favorite this year, and I would actually lean towards them winning it all. Yeah, I, I definitely think that if I had to pick a second most likely outcome, it would be the one you laid out, which is that Alabama gets in instead of Clemson. It's going to be really hard if Georgia does go undefeated and beats Alabama and Clemson. It's going to be really hard for the committee to pick between those teams because they're probably both going to be they're probably both going to only have one loss other than that. And so Alabama will probably have a better resume, but if they look at that and Clemson dominated their competition the rest of the year, that's going to be a really tough choice for the committee to make. Obviously, like we mentioned earlier, the only way Cincinnati probably gets in is if Ohio State and Clemson both lose a conference game. And then you're looking at an opportunity where maybe you have a top four of Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, and Cincinnati. But that's a long way from happening. Yeah, and I think this year, once again, no matter what happens, you'll see more and more people clamoring for expansion of the college football playoff because you're going to have these teams like Cincinnati who maybe deserve a shot. Maybe they don't. I don't think Cincinnati would win no matter what this year. But you're going to have those people who say they deserve a shot. And so I definitely think very, very soon we're going to see uh, playoff expansion, probably to 12 teams, I would guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think I originally I was more hesitant to the idea of expansion just because generally most years I think there's only about three or four teams that are good enough to win the national championship. But that's not the only thing that matters in the sport. And what matters in the sport is generating more revenue, getting eyes on it. And so especially for me, one of the biggest things that should happen if they do it the right way is having postseason games on campuses. Obviously, the bowl atmosphere is a great thing, but especially if you go to maybe a 10-team playoff where the top two seeds get buys and then you have other sets of games going on on campuses, I think that would be awesome for teams. And imagine having, for example, Ohio State going to Alabama for a playoff game. That atmosphere would be something we've never seen before and I think would be a really cool thing to experience. Yeah, and I think we're we're headed towards that, especially with when things are all about money. Uh, we're seeing the the influx of money to the players for name, image, and likeness. Now more money for Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Decisions like that are going to be pushed, and we're going to see, I think, a, a playoff expansion very, very soon. Um, all right, that's going to wrap up our college football preview. I hope you enjoyed it. We obviously did, weren't able to cover everything but let me know who you think is going to be the four teams in the college football playoff and then who your winner will be. Hit me up on at SportsMillPod on Twitter. Uh, I'll tag Sully as well, and, and you'll be able to follow him. And then we're also going to be able to post that on Facebook, and you can click on the link there to watch this episode. That's going to wrap it up for our college football talk. We're about to come back in a second with another segment about fantasy football. We're going to be giving you tips on how to construct your team and also be giving you players to look for this year to help hopefully win your league. We're also going to have a special guest on, and I'll introduce him very soon. Uh, Thank you for listening once again, and we'll be right back.